listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I love Advent season. It's the, it's the church's new year. Uh, last year was New Year's Day on the church calendar, and we celebrated Advent, and we're lighting the Advent candles. Uh, last week, we lit the hope candle. We talked about um, coming home, and we talked about becoming hope. Uh, not only is Jesus our hope, but when Christ comes and transforms us, we then become the hope of others, right? We get to live that. And we started off with a confession uh, last week. I asked you to repeat after me and to confess something. And it was a bit uh, shocking, right? It was a bit uh, remarkable. Uh, some of you had a hard time maybe even saying it. I asked you to repeat after me, I am a mother of God. And you all said it. You said, I'm a mother of God. And then I was surprised. I wondered, how many things could I say and ask you to repeat that you would just repeat, right? You have a lot of trust in me. And then, you know, we just sang this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And in it, it kind of speaks of just that. It speaks of, I was looking for the lyric here. Um, Oh, we just sang it. No, bear with me. Well, I can't find it. Anyway, it speaks of Christ coming in us and us kind of bearing Christ, which is exactly what we talked about last week, right? Paul would say to the Galatians, my children, I labor with you. I bear you until Christ is formed in you. So not only are we formed into Christ, but we become the vessels in which others are formed, meaning we become that kind of mothering figure. So in the keeping with that, this Advent season, I have a new confession for you this week. Are you ready? All right, so we're going to put it on the screen for you. Repeat after me. Jesus comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, you said it with me. Now, now repeat after me. So I'm going to say it, and you're going to say it after me. So Jesus comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's kind of hard to say, isn't it? I mean, it's hard for me to say on a couple of levels, right? It's hard to say out of our hearts because it doesn't sound quite right. It's actually hard for me to say out of my mouth because I'm an Appalachian American and, and the words steal and kill are often, they rhyme. <laughs> I mean, they're not supposed to rhyme, but where I'm from, they do. Like, and so, or at least sometimes they do. Like when we, we use the short I for, for steal, right? We would say still. Did you steal that? <laughs> Meaning, did you take it? And then sometimes we'll, learn, we'll use a long E for the short I. Did you kill it? <laughs> and so I, I, I'm um, like, Ashley, I'm having a hard time with my words today. Like, like literally, they don't want to come out of my mouth. But yeah, Jesus comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I know that doesn't sound right, but, but stay with me. And uh, I'll nuance it, and it will. When we talk about peace, and uh, I say this a lot, but I think it's important to say, when we talk about peace, we, we want a particular definition of peace. And the definition that we're using of peace, you know, comes, of course, from Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers, those who keep peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, that peace is something you make, it's something you do. 
it's not simply conflict avoidance, it's conflict resolution. Like, I don't like conflict, and so sometimes I'll avoid it. So if you and I ever had a tiff, trust me, I'm just going to avoid eye contact with you, and then I'm not going to talk about it, and that's very unhealthy, and I'm not saying you ought to do that. I'm just saying that's how I behave. But, but true peace comes from resolving the conflict. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, places it this way when he talks about peace. He says, peace is not merely the absence of some negative force like tension or confusion or war. It's the presence of a positive force, justice, goodwill, or brotherhood. And I think Dr. King is exactly right, but that peace has to be active. And so the peace of Christ, when we call him the Prince of Peace, is because he's bringing peace. He's making peace. He's not always doing things that are peaceful, right? Because he's resolving the conflict. If he was the peaceful king, chances are he would have never been crucified, right? But because he was a peacemaking king, he, he was resisted. Um, Plato, the philosopher, said in his, his, his famous book, The Republic, 300 years before Christ was born, if there ever was a truly righteous person, we would crucify him. Which I think that's pretty insightful on Plato's part. Like he, he understands the way we, we behave in our, in our human nature, that we resist those sorts of things. And that kind of resistance, is ex- the, the, the resistance that we have to such things is exactly what we have to overcome. And so when we talk about peacemaking, in order to make peace, we don't just make it externally, and this is the hard part, we have to also kind of make it internally. Like, I have enough kind of professional deportment that I know how to behave at my job. I, I have enough kind of awareness of my role as a pastor, like how I'm supposed to behave, you know, at bingo night last night. Or if you, if you show up, you know, if you get sick and you're placed in the hospital, I'm coming to visit you. Like, I, I know how I'm supposed to behave, right? So I kind of, I follow those rules. But internally, sometimes I'm disturbed, right? I'm troubled. And, I, and I'm not very peaceful there. So if we actually, instead of trying to fix everyone else, if we worked on ourselves, if we did some interior work, we like devoted ourselves to times of meditation and contemplation and prayer, if we spent some times with the scriptures, and we'd find that that internal peace that would be cultivated and all that would grow and we, we would become not just peacemakers, but peaceful people. Because if you use violence in order to make peace, you might have made that peace, but you've created a different kind of violence in the process. Rome, at at the time that uh, Peter was writing the passage that Ashley read, or the time that um, Paul was writing to the church there in Rome, Rome was known for a peace. Pax Romana, they called it. The peace of Rome. But here's the thing about the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome came by the sword. It was a very violent form of peace. And the peace of Christ, the peace of God, the the shalom, the peace of the city, comes by a different means. It doesn't have to create violence in order to get to the peace. Because shalom, the true peace of the city, God's peace of the city, comes 
when we're able to take our swords and beat them into plows. We don't need the swords anymore, right? We just have the plows. We're going to plow the field because we're not only at peace with our neighbors, we're at peace with our enemies. And we're not only at peace with our enemies, but we're at peace with ourselves. Now, again, this is easier said than done. And this is not something that I practice myself very well, I don't think, if I'm being honest with you. So this is a different type of a confession. The confession that Jesus comes to still kill and destroy is that confession of faith. <laughs> this confession that I struggle with is a confession of sin. Right? This, this is a problem I have in my life. I have a bit of a temper. And if, if, I, if I don't pray, if I don't you know, confess you know, that I have that and work on it, I'm not actually a very peaceful person. So not only is my natural inclination... Uh, a bit of anger, but then I also naturally avoid conflict. So I, I'm, I'm not peacemaking in any way, shape, or form. I should actually, I should have stayed down there, right? And uh, let somebody else come and preach a sermon on peace. And uh, because I need to receive it as much as I need to give it. But back to this passage of scripture, it says a, th- a day unto the Lord is like a thousand, or a thousand years is like a day unto the Lord. It's kind of beautiful metaphor about God's timing. So we know that the Advent season is one of waiting. It's one of expecting. It's this, you know, expecting the coming of the Christ child. So we know that the the Jewish people had been waiting for hundreds of years for their Messiah, for God to send someone who would deliver them. And of course, Mary had been waiting, like as any mother kind of waits and for the baby to be born. So there's all of that kind of built-in kind of expectation that we have. And it seems like time just crawls at this kind of snail's pace. I once heard Mikel Larinaga, our friend and executive pastor here at Oasis, uh, claim that he was a time traveler. I thought, that's interesting. I wonder what he means by that. He said, yeah, I can travel through time. So the thing is, that I only can go in one direction and I only go at the normal speed of time. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm a time traveler too. That's great. But yeah, part of you, the longer that you are a Christian, the, the, the more you'll realize that God's timing seems often very slow. One of my uh, favorite um, images of God comes from the Japanese theologian who says uh, that God is a three-mile-an-hour God. Three miles an hour is the pace a typical person walks. And so, of course, when God was in human form on this planet, as he was moving around from Capernaum to, to Bethesda, from Bethesda to Magdala, and from Magdala to Cana or Cana to Nazareth, of course, he moved about three miles an hour. Because he was walking. And so God is slow. And sometimes we're, our life is so fast. We're just expecting things all the time. And we want them to happen quickly. Right? We want to lose weight fast. We want to fix our relationships fast. We want to get promoted in our careers fast. We just want everything to happen fast. Come on, God, do something. It's 100 miles an hour. But if you want to catch up with God... You're going to have to slow down. 
And slowing down in order to catch up with God is what Advent does in us. Because we'd like just to just jump right to it and celebrate Christmas. But that's not our, that's not our tradition. We don't just to get to celebrate Christmas. We have to wait. We have some candles to light. We have some things to confess. Some things to celebrate like hope and peace and joy and love. And then we'll get to celebrate the Christ child. Right? So God's timing is different than ours. A day into the Lord is like a thousand years. So if he says, hey, I'll get to, it, I'll get to you in a couple of days. <laughs> that could take a long time. And then it says, but even though God's timing seems very slow, when God does come, it seems to happen all of a sudden. Isn't that funny? Like, how can things be slow and fast? It's like, We've waited and we've waited and we've waited and then bam, it's here. It's like going to an amusement park, waiting in line at the roller coaster. And you think we're never going to get up there. But then all of a sudden, you are there. And whoosh, it's fast. <laughs> and so the coming of the day of the Lord is described like a thief. And perhaps we've heard that. I mean, Jesus will say something similar in the Gospels. He says that the Son of Man will come like a thief in the night. And here Peter tells us that the day of the Lord comes like a thief. And when we hear that word, it might sound a little scary. Like, I don't know about you, but the coming of the day of the Lord, when I was a kid or a thief in the night, that wasn't a good thing. It sounded like a home invasion. <laughs> you know, somebody's going to come in, they're going to hurt us. Right? We need somebody to protect us. Or if not us, our stuff. You know, they're going to take our stuff from us. Because a thief is up to no good. A thief is going to do something that's, that's wrong, that's evil, that's damaging. And in the Gospels, Jesus will describe himself as a good shepherd. In fact, he'll describe himself as the gate for the sheep. He himself is the gate. He's both the shepherd and the gate. And he's contrasting himself with other views of the Messiah, other expectations of what the Messiah might be like. Right, the zealots wanted a militant Messiah. They thought by force they could kick out Rome. And the, the Herodians and the Sadducees wanted a political and economic Messiah. They thought by politics and by economics they could, they could you know, cooperate and compromise with Rome but still accomplish their own goals. And then you had the, some separatists like the Essenes who thought they could be religious and pious and just not get involved in the world. And that, that that could save them. But Jesus says, all those who have come before me are like a thief. And that's the thief he's talking about, those other types of expectations. Sometimes we read that, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We thought the thief was Satan. But that's not what he's talking about in that passage in John chapter 10. You should go back and read it. He's talking about those who have come before him, and those who have come before him are those who have offered other types of messianic or kingdom expectations unlike what Jesus is offering us like Jesus is offering us a different way a way of love a way of sacrifice right a way of preferring the other that's that's his way and it comes through him and so I've preached that passage before from John chapter 10 instead of the thief comes to steal kill and destroy then our shepherd is different than that he doesn't come to steal 
He comes to give. He gives life. He gives life more abundantly. He gives of himself. He gives mercy. He gives grace. He gives forgiveness. And he doesn't come to kill, but rather he comes to die. Because he doesn't conquer death through killing someone else. He conquers death through, through giving up his own life. And he doesn't come to destroy, but rather he comes to create. Like in our passage today that says, even if all of the elements are exposed, or even if all the elements are burnt and earth is exposed, right? We see it all. We see all the good, the bad, and the ugly. What will God do? God will create anew, right? So the shepherd doesn't destroy, but the shepherd creates. So if the shepherd comes to to give, to die, and to create, then why did we confess that Jesus comes in Advent to still kill and destroy? Well, partially we said it because I wanted to make sure you wouldn't fall asleep. I wanted you to confess something with your mouth that sounded strange to your heart. But it's more than that. I wasn't just trying to kind of shock you. I'm also trying to teach you. And what I'm trying to teach you is that the thief who comes in the night, we must never forget, is our holy thief. The thief who comes in the night is the good shepherd. When the day of the Lord we've been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for and waiting for, but when the day of the Lord suddenly comes, it's going to come to us and Jesus is going to steal, kill, and destroy. But what is Jesus going to steal? He's going to steal from you your anxiety. He's going to steal from you your stress. He's going to steal from your your depression. He's going to steal from you your loneliness. He's going to take all those things that, that burden you, that hurt you, that you struggle with, and he's going to take them from you. And he's going to kill, but what's he going to kill? He's going to kill death. He's going to kill sin. He's going to kill disease. It's cancer that's going to face its death. Right? It's AIDS that's going to face its death. It's all those things that kill that are going to die when God comes like a thief. And so what will he destroy? He doesn't destroy us and he doesn't destroy the earth. He creates anew. He renews the earth. I wrote some work years ago called Apocalyptic Sustainability. I love, I love the oxymoronic sound of that, right? That it comes and it's sudden and it's a revelation, but it gives life, it sustains. The new creation is connected to the old. It's not out of nothing, it's, it's out of the old. He, he makes it, he fixes it. And that's, that's the thief. I heard... Nadia Bowles-Weber say it years ago. I can't even remember the context now. But she referred to the thief that comes in the end as the holy thief. And it, it, it wrecked me. I haven't been the same since. And I, I've held on to that. And it, it hasn't just changed the way I've thought. I feel like it's changed my heart. And I, and I hope that it changes you too. That yes, 
We wait in Advent for the coming of peace. But the peace that comes, comes to us and transforms us so that we become then agents of peace. That the peace, the storm in our own lives, those things that keep you up at night where you can't sleep, where it's the last thing you think about before you go to sleep and it's the first thing you think about when you wake up and you're just worried about it and you're struggling with it. That, that storm that's in your life, when Christ comes, he will speak peace to that storm. Peace, be still. And you'll get to sleep and rest. We need to receive this. Because this is what I think it means for Christ to come. So coming home should be a practice that we have. So that coming to church on Sunday mornings is like coming home. And again, it's, it's a practice that both includes receiving God, God's love and grace and mercy and justice, but then also being transformed by it in ways so that we become agents thereof. So that when someone does something to us, we're quick to forgive them because we've been forgiven. And we're quick to show mercy because mercy's been shown to us. And we're quick to love because we've been loved. And we're quick to be uh, peacemakers because someone has made peace for us. Again, back to John. He's getting a lot of airtime today. But in, in John, Jesus says, this is how... The world will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. And I love that translation, that you have love one for another. So it's not even, it's not even the act of loving. It's not just that you love one another, but that you have love. Well, where's this love I have? Where did it come from? Well, it's the love that's been given to me by Christ. Because Christ loves me, I have love. And now that I have it, I have it not just for Christ, but I have it for you all. And I'm not even speaking in abstractly. I'm actually talking about you. Most of whom I can see, except for that one low of lights that's out. We're getting that fixed this week. So about a third of you in the dark. I don't see you very well right now, but I, I, I know you. And I'm going to see you here at Grace and Peace. And I, you too, I love. <laughs> and so we celebrate. We celebrate as we anticipate the once again coming of Christ. And that's the lyric from the old little town of Bethlehem that I was str struggling to find. But it's in like the third verse and it's, it's like Christ comes to us anew in us, forming Christ again. So in the same way the Spirit formed Christ in Mary, the Spirit forms us into Christ so that we are the body of Christ as Paul would say. And so if he is the Prince of Peace, then his body, right, becomes the, the embodied, three-dimensional, present peace in the world. So that's a big responsibility. So let's turn our hearts to God. Let's ask the Prince of Peace to calm our internal storms. And then let's share that peace with others becoming peace. And in which case, when we do that, we too can become like thieves. <laughs> we're thick as thieves because we're like the thief. 
Because if we're the body of Christ, like literally our members are part of the body of Christ and he's a thief that comes in the night, that makes us a thief. So that in this Advent season, as thieves, we should be the ones who are out there taking away people's anxiety and stress and depression and giving life for them in exchange. As the prophet said, beauty for ashes, anointing for mourning, or joy for mourning, and anointing. That's what we do. It doesn't matter what they give us. What we give them is Christ. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.